0: Hey everyone, Tyson here. We have a two-part episode of the I-5 Corridor coming up. We start with Bill Orem. He's the Athletics Lakers writer. Uh, We talk about just the tire fire of a season the Lakers had, what enjoyment Blazers fans can take out of that, and then since he's a Tillamook Oregon native, we have a Oregon High School mascot draft. Uh, He's he's sneaky good at this one, so uh, it's good stuff. Uh, I don't know if the next thing is good stuff, but it's fun stuff. Uh, An interview with the Little Cuties Hockey Club before their annual tournament down in austin texas on friday so uh again i can't say it's good stuff it's fun stuff uh a good episode overall coming up but we begin with bill orem and the mess of the los angeles lakers you're listening to the i5 corridor hosted by tyson alger and aiden schneider Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the i5 Corridor podcast. Tyson Alger here joined by Bill Orem, the athletics Los Angeles Lakers writer, Uh good friend of mine. He actually gave me my first job in journalism. He was the editor at the Montana Kaiman at the University of Montana when uh, a young sophomore came into the offices just begging for a job. Uh, Bill, thanks for coming on today, man.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, Tyson. This is a, this is kind of a fulfillment of a, of a lifelong dream of mine to appear on the I-5 corridor. And, you know, I have memories of that too. You know, you coming in to the, uh, to the Kyman offices up on the, up on the, I guess, what, the third floor of the journalism building at the University of Montana, uh, you know, fresh from the, from, from the bush of, <laughs> of the wilds of Alaska, the last frontier, completely unkempt, untamed, wild Maine. I think you wrestled a grizzly bear on your way onto campus.
0: I think that was the leading item on my resume because uh, at at that point I certainly uh, couldn't really put together a whole, whole lot of coherent uh, writing together. But I I really do think that the reason that you brought me on was uh, at that time, you were also the one organizing the Keiman softball team. And uh, let's be honest, you guys needed a third baseman.
1: We needed a lot of baseman. We needed (laughs) needed a lot, but listen, if that was my entire criteria, I just would have been out like poaching like the uh, you know, the, the, the Wednesday night league instead of like whatever we were in like the Monday afternoon league. But no, I mean, you brought, uh, you carried your weight in multiple departments in, uh, in our, in our, uh, let's even call it. I haven't been in college so long. Inter- yeah. Yeah. Right. Inter- inter- <laughs> inter- inter- intramural, intramural teams and, uh, in the newsroom.
0: What uh it we'll we'll get back to a little bit of more of uh your story and I mean obviously you're you're an Oregonian, you 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 grew up out here and now you're uh covering the one of the biggest teams in the world, but uh because we this is a Portland-based podcast, uh last night the Lakers were eliminated from the playoffs. Uh I'm just gonna like give you the floor here a little bit to like pander to uh what is assuredly a very happy Blazers crowd here. Uh what the hell happened?
1: Yeah. I mean, nobody saw that coming. Right. <laughs> um, you know, when the Lakers got together last summer, I mean, you know, there were flaws, there were issues. There were definitely concerns about like the idea of LeBron playing with Russell Westbrook, um, you know, Anthony Davis, could he say healthy and, you know, but like the Lakers got a lot of credit for how they filled out that roster, you know, with the minimum guys, Trevor Ariza, former blazer, uh, Ken Baysmore, former Blazer. Uh, those are guys that like people thought, hey, for a minimum contract, that can help the Lakers. And the reality is, like, they just never figured out the fit between LeBron, AD, and Russ. And, you know, some of it's that they only played 21 games together. But, you know, it was funny. Somebody pointed out to me last night as, you know, the Lakers were up there kind of repeating that, you know, that perspective. Oh, we just never got the time together. It takes time for pieces to fit. It doesn't always take time for pieces to fit. The Lakers were 24 and three when LeBron and AD first played together because those were you know players who made sense together. Right. So the Russell Westbrook trade has just been a, you know, a, a colossal disaster and, you know, potentially a, you know, I don't want to say a dynasty killer because the Lakers don't have a current dynasty, but any chance they had of develop, you know, winning multiple championships in this window with LeBron and AD, you know, as far as I can tell, has like completely gone out the window because of the Russell Westbrook trade completely like killed their, their flexibility, gave them a terrible on-court fit financially overburdened them you know, their championship coach is going to get whacked because of this. I wrote a story today. Yeah. uh, I'm talking, you know, at length to Frank Vogel. um, And, you know, it's just, it's completely set the franchise back. Um, So, you know, listen, I know there's a lot of Lakers short, uh, excuse me, Schadenfreude around the league. I grew up in the, in the thick of it, uh, you know, with the Blazers in the nineties and early two thousands. You know, Twitter was popping off last night. I was in Phoenix, you know, trying to, kind of wrap my head around it. Not that last night was surprising, of course Lakers are going to lose the Suns. They lost them, you know, every game this year, they lost them in the playoffs last year. uh, You know, with no LeBron, that wasn't even going to be a contest. and It wasn't, but just the totality of, of this season, you know, here we are in game 79 and they actually like, you know, along the way you were kind of like, Oh, are they going to slip to the play in again? Oh, or could they be in the second half of the play in? Like, you know, that single elimination And then there was a moment where like it was in February or March, I think it was February when I started looking at the math and I'm like, San Antonio is not that far back. And Anthony (laughs) Davis is hurt. Um, and you know, that's what ended up happening. It's an early off season for the Lakers, by the way. Uh, I have, I, I have become a bit famous. I think for this nine seasons, covering the Lakers, they've missed the playoffs, uh, in seven of those. So probably the worst record of any, uh, you know, relatively long-term Lakers beat writer in franchise history.
0: So I, I was going to bring that up because like in, in the middle of that you did get at least like one championship season to cover. was in the bubble. I was, I was, I was on my
1: couch right there the entire time.
0: <laughs> I, I So I was about to say like, you might have the worst luck out of all that, but you know, like the old kind of like journalism adage is like, you either want to cover like the best team in the league or you want to cover a bit of a shit show. And I, I imagine at this point you are probably tired of covering the shit show
1: yeah although it's like it is my comfort zone like it is very much like it's it's like it's like it is it is my sweet spot um what was was, was this
0: was this year as like dramatically was this year worse than any in, in terms I mean worse is kind of a loaded term but like was this as as just that type of year as as you've had
1: I don't know because like I've had some like So my first season covering the Lakers was 2013-14, which was the year after Kobe tore his Achilles. So I got here right after Dwight had left in free agency the first time. Uh, Kobe had a torn Achilles. Um, Mike D'Antoni was in his second year. And it's funny you ask, and I I don't know if this is something you were going to get to, but I tweeted something the other day about how like sometimes I think that this is the strangest season or this, this season's been the strangest thing I've covered with the Lakers. But then I remember that one time uh, Brooke Lopez chauffeured his cat to Fresno. And that really got me thinking though, like what are the strangest things that, that have happened while I've been on the beat? And it is wild. Like in terms of a total season, you know, this is definitely, I mean, They've never fallen so short of, of such high expectations, right? This was a team that, you know, was a top Vegas uh, line uh, to win, to win the championship. You know, they talked they, I mean, they went out and got Russell Westbrook to win a championship. There was no, like, you know, there, there was no goal other than win an 18th championship. That's why you go sign Carmelo Anthony. That's why you make the rust trade. That's, you know, you think that this is a championship team. Um, that's why you go into the luxury tax. Um, but I've covered some real disasters along the way. Um, you know, the, the 17 win year was Kobe's last year and that season, you know, for, you know, the great moment at the end of the year was really difficult because every single stop was part of a farewell tour. And so every game Kobe was doing these epic, um, you know, 30 minute, 20 minute postgame news conferences in every city, um, never had to transcribe so much in my life. Um, yeah, good, And like then good, 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 and good then, hitting deadline on those ones, <laughs> right? I mean, no, I mean, you file, you know, I mean, I guess fortunately for some East Coast deadlines, but you'd file, you know, something and just be like, well, Kobe said a bunch of other, you know, stuff that you know tonight that was interesting and probably made for good TV, but didn't help me out at all. Uh, so you tried to pick like one of the one like nugget out of each right. one to try to do your story that night. Um, and you know, but in terms of like individual things, like Brooke Lopez take, you know, chauffeuring his cat to Fresno was good. Um, the Nick Young, D'Angelo Russell uh, <laughs> flap, which was also in Kobe's last year when uh, Nick Young, apparently, D'Angelo Russell caught Nick Young on video, like talking about like women he'd been with who were not his fiance, who at the time was A.G. Azalea, <clears throat> which, I mean, in and of itself is a huge story. The Lakers had a press conference that Nick Young and D'Angelo Russell came out, like I think together, but maybe separately to address that situation. I think I remember that uh, before I remember. Before, yeah. before a game. And then like, the kind of like the update to that is that this season Malik Monk uh, ends up dating or uh, is spotted at dinner on Valentine's day with Iggy Azalea, <laughs> which is compounded by the fact that a couple months earlier, Dave McMenamin from ESPN had asked Malik Monk like, Hey, like why don't you have any tattoos on your right arm? Like uh, that was kind of a Nick Young thing. He's like, yeah, strictly for buckets. Just like Nick Young. So like Nick Young in some way, is like inspired by bleak monk is inspired by Nick young. And then like follows in his footsteps, not only as like a sharpshooter for the Lakers who doesn't get tattoos on his right arm because it's strictly for buckets, but dates Iggy Azalea. It's, so it's, that has been, that is, that's been a fun one.
0: It's funny because like um, beat writers who cover like a premier team like this, um, you know, you can look back and like, you know, Pearlman just, you know, wrote his book, I guess he didn't technically cover those teams, but like Pearlman wrote a book about the Showtime Lakers. He wrote a book about the, like the Kobe Lakers, um, you know, there's been books written about like the bulls dynasty, about the warriors dynasty and any, I, I figure anybody who covered a team for as long as you have, like you could write a book, but your book would be far different than like some of those other traditional books about, about like, like you could just kind of do like the hijinks book with like one title wrapped around it.
1: Like it's, it's funny. Like I have completely you know thought about that. Right. It's like, these have been like some of the lead in totality, like the leanest years in Lakers history. And like, there was a time, like years ago i was talking to some friends like other writers about like if there was a book about like the worst years of lakers history and somebody was like oh you should write a book called slow time and i'm like nobody (laughs) wants to read slow time like slow time is like it's just an inherently depressing book but there has been um there have been like truly like comical moments along the way you know not not in the moment probably not for the people involved but like um you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope got popped for DUI before he got to the Lakers. And, and like during that season, he like, like like basically was in a detention facility in orange County and could only play games in Southern California. And he played (laughs) with an ankle monitor on like, but this like didn't come out. The Lakers were just like, Oh, he's like out for personal reasons. And then, you know, through some good reporting of the LA times, it turned out that he was in like basically jail and he was playing with like an ankle monitor on in NBA games. So, I've seen a lot of stuff, man, uh, but a lot of losses too. Like, Primarily, like, a lot of losses. I, I,
0: I have to imagine, like, when you took that job, uh, for people who, who didn't know, bef- be- before you were at the Athletic, you you covered the team for, uh, um, was, was it the OC Register still yeah. at the time, or was yeah, it like yeah, the, yeah. The, the abbreviation? But before that, CNG? Uh, before that, you were at the Salt Lake Tribune and you covered the Pac 12, you covered Utah, you covered preps out there. So, like, when you're leaving Salt Lake City to, like, cover the Lakers, I you did have uh, some Jad's coverage there towards the tail end, though. So, obviously, the NBA wasn't, like, something that you were foreign to. But, right. like, like what like what did you envision when you were going to go take that job?
1: I, I mean, I don't – I guess I just thought the Lakers were going to keep being the Lakers and keep being good. You know, like, if you remember, like, in 2013, like, you know, Kobe was – you know, had his Achilles, but, every, like, Kobe just acted like – and people thought, oh, Kobe will just come back from his injury and be Kobe because, you know, he's always come back from injuries. And, and there was like sort of like this, you know, people who were like, well, you know, that's the most serious injury you could possibly have in basketball. And, you know, guys don't come back from it. And it was always, it's Kobe. So I don't think I like had any real preparedness for th- how bad the Lakers would be, like even in that first year. And like they won 27 games that year with like Jody Meeks, Nick Young, uh, Ryan Kelly, Robert Sacre, maybe Chris Kamen was on. Chris Kamen was definitely on that team. Um, and, like, it was a disaster. I wrote a story that ran on A1 of the Orange County Register in, like, February or March of that year That that's, like, headline, worst team ever. And it was because the Lakers were on pace to set the franchise record for losses, which was previously set in um, 1974-75 when the team won 30 games and that team won, and that Lakers team won 27. So the worst, before I got here, the worst team in franchise history had only had, had lost, you know, 52 games. And since then it went 30, 25, 21, 17, you know, whatever. And then this year is going to be like 31, 32 again. So it's like the, 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 the depths to which like they sunk, you know, initially, because like, the fact that the worst fr- record in franchise history was still 30 wins is like pretty unique, you know, throughout NBA history. Most teams have some like truly dog shit years and the Lakers had like, you know, there's the season in the early nineties when they won 33 games. Um, but um, anyway, so I mean, like you just expect you're going to be covering Kobe in, in championships and playoffs and um, just cause that's where they'd been for, you know, 20 years at that point.
0: What's What's the difference between the way like Kobe would handle himself in a a non-competitive season versus like what you've had this year with, with like LeBron and AD.
1: Well, it's interesting. Cause like LeBron and like, this has been a non-competitive season, but the Lakers were still like in contention for the play-in until last night. So there was still the attitude of, we are going to, um, you know, we're going to get this figured out in time and we're going to go. And so that there still was sort of this, like we're playing for a championship you know, all the way through last night. You know, Kobe, there was sort of an evolution because like, well, first of all, the first year I was here, he came back, got injured after nine games. He hurt his knee. So he came back from the Achilles and he hurt his knee. The next year he played like half the season, tore his rotator cuff. Then the third year was his final year. So, um, you know, and the third year was like a real like, you know, I mean, it was it was about Kobe. Once he announced, once it was clear that the team wasn't going to be very good with the young players, D'Angelo Russell, you know, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, Larry Nance was there by then. Um, it was pretty, it was like, it became like about Kobe and it became sort of this celebration of his career. And like, that was a really awkward like situation for like all those young guys, because you know, those guys would go practice at, you know, but Kobe wouldn't be a practice. So they practice something on a Tuesday and then go play a game on Wednesday. And like, it was, it just became like Kobe ISOs the whole time. So it became really difficult for those guys to, um, really take anything for that season. So, I mean, outside of like personal development, you know, for a lot of those young players, you know, and I've had conversations with a lot of those guys, like that in many ways was kind of a lost season for them in terms of like NBA experience, but they also got to, I mean, there was something to be said for learning, you know, kind of at, you know, at, at Kobe's side um, and being on the court with him for that 60 point game at the end of the year, you know, they, you know, Mitch Kupchak told me once that, you know, he was really, um, he, the, he was the GM of the team at the time, really grateful that those guys got that experience. Cause they got, you know, they did all the work over the course of that year or the years. Um, but they finally got like a taste of what, like, it was like to play with Kobe, like what kind of like when Kobe went off, what that really felt like to be part of it. Um, you know, LeBron, we haven't seen it so much where it's like, he's played with a truly non-competitive team. His first year at the Lakers, They won 35 or 37 games and they shut him down. Like once, once they got eliminated from the playoffs, like seven games left. Um, so, you know, but again, it's kind of, it's all, you know, even the the writing's been on the wall with this Lakers team. And I, I think that it's kind of been a little similar in the sense that, you know, LeBron is out there, you know, he might set the scoring or not the scoring record, but, um, he might, you know, lead the league in scoring. Um, he's on pace to do that. So it becomes a little bit more about individual Performances. It became, you know, it was a key point in the season when he passed Carl Malone for second on the all time scoring list. And he's, you know, you know, basically chasing down Kareem. He'll catch him middle of next year, probably assuming full health. Um, So with the team not being very good, like those moments become a lot more meaningful. And that's kind of what it was like with Kobe down the stretch. You know, being on the road in Minnesota when Kobe passed Michael Jordan was a huge moment. And Glenn Taylor, the owner of the Timberwolves, stopped the game and gave Kobe the game ball, you know, in the middle of the second quarter.
0: The, the, this This is something that like it just kind of comes with the territory with the job you have. But covering Kobe, who at the time was probably one of the top twenty most famous people in the world, how did that kind of prep you for, you know, the last four years of lebron? and and like what's what's something that like you didn't anticipate when dealing with somebody who let, for example, if they uh, say your name in a press conference and say not to read that person, it makes headlines everywhere
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean Kobe was my first like like superstar that I'd really covered. Like that jazz team I covered, like I mean, the biggest star was probably Al Jefferson. Um so I mean, I, you know, did have to kind of learn you know, how to navigate kind of that air, you know, how how those guys like to be talked to. The fact that, you know, in an NBA locker room, you know, when we were in NBA locker rooms. You know, you basically have free reign to go approach players at their locker. You know, to you know ask questions or strike up a a conversation. And the rules are different, a little bit different with superstars. uh, Generally, Kobe was a little more aloof, Um, but you know, you kind of figure that out. And then you, but I do think everybody's a little bit different. You know, like Anthony Davis is a little more approachable than LeBron, but LeBron is also, you know, especially post game, like pretty, you know, pretty approachable. So it, um, it kind of it kind of ebbs and flows. But you know, as as for that situation. You know, I don't know if I'd ever been called out in that way before. I think not, but like you, I don't know. You just kind of, you, you kind of like, you kind of learned to just kind of like roll with the punches with, um with guys of that caliber. But I will say that having LeBron, like, you know, say my name in a press conference made for a, in a, you know, not flattering way made for a couple of kind of stressful days at home.
0: Yeah it's just funny because I, uh, I think I'm like the only uh, person who's covered the PAC 12 for an extended amount of time that hasn't gone on to cover the NBA. Uh, you have you, you have Connor mm-hmm. Kyle Goon, Andrew Greif, and I'm just the guy here with the substack. Uh, so, so naturally whenever something happens, I see about four Instagram stories of, of behind the scenes. And it was, uh, when LeBron did do that, uh, it was funny watching Kyle Goon's Instagram story. Cause obviously you guys were watching the highlight of the press conference in, in the media room. And, uh, um, yeah, man, I, I, like, I, I'm sure there's people who were like, Oh man, that was probably awesome. Like LeBron, like called like this, but like, man, nobody wants that. Like that just turns into like a, like a four day shitstorm of, I, I, I imagine Twitter was an unpleasant place to, uh, to venture.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think what it does is it, um, it gives some of the, worst actors on social media um it makes them feel empowered to you know you know act you know aggressively or you know you know kind of you know step out of line and think that they are they have lebron's blessing to do it so you know like they want to say things to me about like me or like my kids or my wife or whatever like and it's and it's you know that's on lebron's intention you know like whatever lebron I don't know what lebron's intention is you know we had a conversation about it but like we didn't get that into it um, I, I don't even know what he was objecting to, um, but, but like, that is sort of like when you have that kind of platform and you, you know, and you shine the spotlight on somebody who is not famous, like you are, um, it does sort of, you know, turn a whole tide against you, which is just an experience, inter, inter, interesting experience. You know, it's probably not that different from what you know happens when celebrities, uh, end up in the news for the wrong reason or get on the wrong side of kind of the. Uh, of the zeitgeist, but it was, uh, it was an interesting couple of days for sure.
0: So bigger, bigger media feud, uh, Montana Kyman versus Bobby Hawke, or Bill Orem versus LeBron James
1: Kyman versus how like I LeBron and something. LeBron, LeBron and I are good. We made up, we're, we're all good. Um, I, I saw, I, I saw, I,
0: I, I saw Bobby, uh, when Montana played Oregon two years ago, it was, I, uh, the last five minutes of the game, you're allowed to go down on the sideline and, uh, I was within like six feet of him and he never looked at me, but I'm sure like the hair kind of stood up on the back of his head. uh, Just, just kind of being within the same vicinity.
1: Well, you have, you had probably a more direct um, feud with Bobby than I did. Like he and I had our, our moments, like we had our issues. Um, There were a couple of things that like, you know, he and I went back and forth on, but like you were in the thick of it when um, the Kaiman was like shut out and it became like national news. And that was like all you. So your relationship was probably a little more fraught with Bobby than mine was. But I also am the guy who like has has you know been critical of him since we I mean, we both have, but I've been critical of him since um, in different settings. And I bumped into Bobby on the M Trail uh, last summer uh, in Missoula. For those who don't know, there's a trail behind campus that goes up to a giant uh, stone M on Mount Sentinel. And I was walking up with my with my wife and kids on a little family vacation to Missoula, and it was it was like football camp weekend. And Bobby was leading groups of, you know, little, you know, preteen, you know, football campers up and down the M trail. And so we stopped and chatted for a few seconds. I, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, I'm I, I think individually, like he had a much bigger presence in my life, you know, as this, like, as this. You know, domineering, sort of prickly coach from Big I, Timber, Montana. From, from Big Timber, than I had in his. So, like when I'm like, <laughs> Bobby, it's Bill Oram. You know, covered covered you for at the Kyman, you know, 13 years ago. Like I'm like, I don't know what degree there's actual specific memory or just you know one of the many former Kyman reporters who's come through. But uh, it was it was interesting to connect. It was I dare say it was a nice brief conversation. Yeah. <laughs> No. we're we're it's, it's, it, this is this is this is very niche now. We are we've oh, gotten very niche.
0: Oh my 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 whole uh, my whole brand is niche, Bill.
1: Like like that's that's all
0: I have these days. Um, and and by the way, I, I apologize for not including you in the uh, the Oregon Twitter fifty last week. As as somebody who grew up watching a lot of Oregon State football, um, what do you think about Jonathan Smith and just kind of the job that he's been able to do, um, and the fact that Oregon State is a competent
1: football program again. I mean, so, okay. So the, the background here is that I, I grew up a big Oregon state fan. And like, I went to um, like Oregon state games when I was a kid and, you know, you know, still, still follow along, you know, kind of as I do, you know, you have know, kind of every, everywhere I've been, you know, like watch the ducks and beavers, but um, it's, it's, it's fun in the sense that like, I was like a maniac for that 2000 Oregon state team. Like that was my, you know, I don't want to say my earliest sports memory because I was like 14. So I don't know what I was doing the rest of those years that I have sentient, you know, awareness, but like in terms of like things going well for me as like a a young sports fan, like Oregon state, like, you know, becoming a bowl team, you know, I guess the year before going to the Hawaii bowl or the Aloha bowl, whichever it was at the time. And then just like really popping that next year, um, was, you know, It was just a fun experience for me, and you know, as a as a, I guess I was thirteen, and and so you know, I have like a really fond, fond fond you know place in my heart for you know for that team, for people from that team, um, you know, I saw Ken Simonton at the LA Bowl like the like this this year, and like I like you know I was like. I don't get starstruck, but like, I was like, oh man, like, that's really cool. Like that dude, like had a huge influence on my childhood. Um, So, you know, seeing Jonathan Smith coach, you know, at Oregon state is, is, is pretty fun, you know, and like to see that he's like having success too. And, you know, like it was, it was fun. even, you know, Tyson, this is, you know, again, taking it back, but you know, when he was earlier in his coaching career, he was the, he was the offensive coordinator at Montana for a season. And, you know, I thought that was really cool because it's like, again, like, you when you're a child like your sports heroes aren't all like lebron james right. or you know it's like like Dave i'm sure Robinson. you have some i'm sure yeah <laughs> like i'm sure you have like some random like you know uh you know M- matsu minor you know from your childhood jeff, who like, jeff
0: DePippo, pippo yeah first, base, exactly. first first baseman he was about five foot eight maybe 215 uh really kind of like did this when he ran it was just I think I was about ten years old. He was on the nineteen ninety seven NBC World Series champion, Matt Suominen. Yeah, just just great stuff.
1: And so it's like it's like if and if, if he walked into your like Safeway while you're standing in line ordering a baguette, you know, you'd be like, you know, you'd probably be starstruck. It would be like that'd be a big deal to you, and everyone else would be like, "Who is that?" And you'd be like, "It's Jeff DePippo," and everybody else would care. Like that was kind of the way I felt when Jonathan Smith was the offensive coordinator at Montana, like eight or nine years ago.
0: When, uh, when, when I was still with the athletic, they would have me go do the, uh, the Oregon state state of the program series. And, um, which is just basically kind of like the, the mid season report card or, or the futuristic version of like the Athlon preview. Um, and I, I would love doing it because Oregon state's always really generous with their time. And you know, I, I think in the four years I covered Mario Cristobal, I had maybe one 20 minute one-on-one with him, like at most. And, uh, three years in a row, they gave me like an hour long sit down with Jonathan. And, uh, and like the very first time I had completely forgot about his, his Missoula background. And so like about 30 minutes in, like that kind of came up. And, uh, I, I really think that's what kind of secured my next four years of, of one-on-one interviews. Cause we just kind of shot the shit about, uh, that beautiful, beautiful city in, in Montana.
1: Yeah. Why don't we all still just live in Missoula? I don't, I mean, we can't afford it now but like <laughs> yeah no key, it, it, dude I sometimes on I on on these uh on these on these you know it's 75 degree February days that we get in Los Angeles I sit here I'm like you know why do I not live in Missoula where it's currently 10 below and could be shoveling for an hour and a half but it's it, pretty it's, ma- it's a magical place it, it, it's a magical place but like yeah I, I think uh,
0: I think we probably lost it a bit uh post like kind of Yellowstone like do you like Yellowstone?
1: Yeah. I enjoyed it. I watched it all. Uh, I, I, I was joking with our friend, Whitney Burmess, who, uh, is a former ju- former journalist who lives in Bozeman. I saw her a couple weeks ago and I was joking about how, you know, she was like, Oh yeah, I'll meet you in Bozeman. And I was like, Oh, you mean the city that according to Yellowstone is like a five mile radius from <laughs> Hamilton, Helena, uh, big sky, Billings, Great Falls. Like, I mean, the geography on that show is just infuriating, but, um, like, I think it's a very bingeable show. I think it's entertaining. I think the cowboy stuff is really compelling. Like, I enjoy like all the like. You know, I, I enjoy the, the. I I enjoy watching it, but like as like it's it's the way like the way like a lot of Lakers people feel about the portrayal of Jerry West in, the, in Winning Time is the way I for <laughs> I feel about the portrayal of the state of Montana and Yellowstone.
0: How how inaccurate or accurate is that portrayal of Jerry West? Because it's it's incredible, just like the actual character they developed in there but i i have no idea if if that's completely made
1: up or so jerry is like just famously intense and like he has this like you know kind of boil to him um but he it, it you know as far as i understand it from talking to people who were around him in those days and i've met jerry a bunch of times and talked to him a bunch of times but like you know i wouldn't say i know him but i um i i feel like it's more of an intensity like a really like quiet intensity than like a rage like you know the idea of him like you know stomping around breaking golf clubs throwing things through windows like that sort of like abusive behavior has never really been attributed to him right it's the it's the just like you know real like fury that's sort of like the inferno that burns inside of him but then he's like you know a very composed very gentlemanly person but like i also don't know how you know in a tv show you know you're trying to capture like somebody's intensity um you know maybe you do need to have like more of a uh you know, visceral sort of portrayal of that, but um I mean, I also, I also thought it got better after the first episode. I haven't seen; I'm not caught up on it, but like, I thought the first episode was wild, and then after that, I thought they did a better job of just capturing like his sort of like inner struggle.
0: It, it, it was it was interesting though, like this week because like I, I understand like kind of the um like you said it's it's TV. You kind of have to like over yeah overdo it with whatever character trait it is. But like this last week, it kind of like like he showed up to like Lakers practice, like full out decked in like fishing gear. And uh, it, it just, it's just, it's just kind of like painting him, painting him to be like a bit of a doofus. And and I, I don't know if, if there's like, yeah. a, like if they're going to redeem that character later on, but it's, it's fascinating because, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of the billion sports writers who just like kind of have a fascination with screenwriting and, and what goes on in like a writer's room. And, and especially when you do take uh, something that was real. And then obviously, yep. you know, it, If you're going to fill an hour of dialogue a week, like that seems like impossible, impossible to do while, while keeping things like within the rails of of
1: realism. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, and I think like they've said repeatedly, it's not a documentary. And like, even like, you know, it's interesting, like I'm watching Inventing Anna on Netflix right now, too. And I'm enjoying can, can, Can Can you give me a little taste of the accent? No, I cannot. I will yeah. not. You know. You know. It's funny though. Is thing, like <laughs> like, he, like like Dave McMenamin, my friend who covers the lakes for SPN, Like yesterday in Phoenix, like gave me his. He's like, "Yeah, we do this around the house." So, um, I I guess that's the thing. But no, I can't. I can't even. I guess I,
0: I, I, saw, I guess I'll book him for next week.
1: I'm just saying, like, I can't, like, even, like, I can't even pretend to attempt to do it. Like, I don't even know what it is you're doing. It's like sometimes it feels southern, sometimes it's German, sometimes it's Russian, sometimes it's like Finnish. Like, Eastern, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea, like, how I'd even do it. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. <laughs> but, but, like, you know, there's a disclaimer on every episode that's like, this is a completely true story, except for the parts that we just made up. right. And it's like, well, that covers a lot of ground. But because, like I'm not close to that story or I don't know any of these people, the parts that are, you know, completely made up don't jump out at me. Like I don't, you know, whereas, like, you know, if you know Jerry West or you were around the, the Lakers in the 1980s, or you like are really a big fan, like you're going to be like, Hey, that didn't happen like that. You know, uh, red hour back and Jerry Buss never had that meeting or, right. you know, and like, and that makes you like skeptical of like the whole thing. Whereas like, something like with inventing Anna, like, I don't know, I'm just enjoying it. So I bet that a lot of viewers are having that experience of winning time too, but kind of in this world where people I know, and you know, myself as well, like know a lot of people who, who are like portrayed in the show, Like there are things that like really like kind of like slap you in the face, but that might just be the experience of being portrayed in TV.
0: um, Okay. So a, a side project of mine that I, that I started doing during the pandemic, I I bought a drone and I go to, I got to rephrase this differently because I was about to say, I go to the various high schools around town, but I I like taking drone shots of baseball fields from above. Uh, Because when I was a kid growing up in Alaska, like one of my favorite things to do was like or one of my favorite things was when we flew down to the lower 48 and you're like flying into Seattle. I loved like the view of looking out the plane window and seeing all like the baseball fields on, on, on the ground. Cause it was just, it just seemed like there was a million of them. We didn't have hardly any of those in Alaska. And so when I got a drone, I I started an Instagram account where right now it's called like Northwest Diamonds. And it's just, uh, it's just basically drone views of, of high school baseball fields around the state of Oregon. And I, and, uh, as, as someone who went to high school here, I was just maybe wondering, maybe you
1: had some suggestions for me. I'm trying to remember because like, so I went to Nestlega high school, which is two a, and like, when I was in high school, we were in the West Valley league, which is now a three a league. And like, but, like we played like Amity, Dayton, Willamina, Daston, you know, Sandy, Christian down in Corvallis. And I'm trying to think, cause like, I did not go to a ton of high school baseball games. Like I went to like the state championships in Kaiser um, and so I was, I'm trying to think of like, you know, like baseball fields that like really stand out to me. Like I could give you a bunch in Utah because like, I could went like my like covering high school sports hey, there. Hey, we might
0: franchise and out. Expand, expand to the intermountain West. Yeah.
1: So I, I don't know. It's like my cousin grew up playing in, uh, in the Dallas, like the Dallas has like a great, like old, like, um, high school baseball kind of stadium. And
0: and you can probably uh, but, get like a bit of like a river view if, if, if mm-hmm. you shoot it, shoot it correctly. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I love that project though. I mean, it's cool. I I try to th- like. Where have you done so far? Uh,
0: I've done a lot of like the PIL. Um, I did. I hit uh, Seaside. Uh, basically, so- some on like the direct Oregon coast.
1: Um, did you go to Tillamook?
0: Did you Tillamook? High? I haven't done Tillamook yet. That was that was one that I that I failed to get.
1: They have a good one. They have a good, they have a good baseball field. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Like I mean, that was not like. I did not do a ton of like high school baseball coverage when I was a, a teenage journalist covering the West Valley league. What, what was it
0: like growing up being like, I'm, I'm assuming like probably anybody that got into this business, you probably read the sports section a lot. You were mm-hmm. probably a big Blazers fan. Uh What was that like in the nineties? Just kind of like the, the consumption of, of, of a growing sports writers appetite back
1: then. Yeah. I mean, like I read the Oregonian every day, you know, like I would go, you know, my mom was a school teacher and like I'd get to school like pretty early and like, you know, there'd always be like the stack of like newspapers that was like waiting for the teachers to come grab. And I always like just grab the first one off the top and would go straight to the sports section and read, you know, I read everything. Like I loved like the Oregonians writers, you know, in those days, you know, like late nineties, like when Chuck Culpepper was the columnist, uh, eventually Kinsano got there, but Jason quick, you know, on the blazers was incredible. You know, Ryan White, um, Rachel Bachman, um, you know, I mean, both can go, the list goes on. I mean, there were just so, so many like great writers. Like I remember like, um, Abby hate was in, I guess she was in news, but I loved Abby hate. And, um, I just like really just, you know, kind of really, uh, soaked all of that up. Um, it was like really exciting to me that like, there was like, like the idea of newspapers and sports writing and journalism in general were just like really appealing to me. And so I would read, I'd read, i read sports every day and I'd read the edge. Like, you know, do you, do you, the, did the edge ever exist when you worked at the Oregonian? No, I don't remember what that is. Okay. So the edge was this like little comedy column that ran literally on the edge of living. Like the second, it's not like, I mean, I know it's, it's, it's not even a broadsheet newspaper anymore, but like the, 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 the lifestyle section used to be called living. And there was this little thin column, like half of like, like think of like newspaper columns. It was like half of a column that ran the entire length of the of the living section. It would be like puns or witty observations or, you know, sometimes like that's one where, like long kind of funny from. story. I mean, it really might be like, I mean, yeah, like I mean, like that's like kind of my brand. But like, I mean, I loved The Edge. I thought it was so clever. Um, I don't even know where it came from or who wrote it. Like I, don't, <laughs> I, I have no clue. Like for all, you could tell me it was like a wire service, and it wasn't even like homegrown. I, although I don't think that's true, because there were a lot of like local references. But the edge was like, you know, really fun. Um, but you know, I don't know. Like I would, I would go to like my little like computer terminal at you know Missaka Valley Middle School in Beaver, and like send emails to and send emails to like the you know, writers of the Oregonian, and be like, I really like this story. Like I want to be a sports writer someday too. So um, you know, that was a really influential, you know. Yeah, you know, a really influential time in my life. I'm I'm, I'm jealous that you got to
0: read uh, Culpepper on the daily because like here, even you know in 2022, like whenever like one, when my favorite thing about the college basketball national championship wow. game is always pulling up his gamer the day after, and you know he's always got like you know a first sentence paragraph that's about that yeah. big, and it's and it's just I I love kind of just how different his style is than uh, anybody like, else. Well, like, I, I think like me working with Kanzano for so long, like I read so many of his pieces that I think I did start to like adapt some of his sentence structure just cause you read it so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's probably, probably the best that I didn't grow up reading Chuck in that case because, because I'm much better with short sentences than, than longer.
1: <laughs> well, you talk about like, um, you talk about like, like being a fan or like, you know, geeking out at all. Like I, um, loved Chuck Culpepper so much because like he just wrote in a way that nobody else did. And like, listen, I was a Kinzano fan too. And like, you know um, you know, when um, Brian Meehan or Meehan, I, I never knew him. So I never knew actually how you pronounce his last name, but he was a columnist at the Oregonian also in in, in the, in the two thousands. And he was an incredible journalist. Um, and he wrote like these incredibly touching columns, a lot about like coaching, like, you know, youth baseball. Like he was awesome also, but um you know, Chuck, like, I don't, I just remember being like maybe a freshman in high school and like, like talking about like what he wrote each day with like the guidance counselor at my high school and my guidance counselor being like, ah, you know, he's a little too cute for me. So fast forward to like, you know, five, six (laughs) years ago, I'm covering the Lakers and like, um, I've read Chuck's book, you know, whatever. And I have a friend who is friends with, with Chuck from Louisville. And he was like, you know, just here's Chuck's number. Like you should just hit him up and let him know that you like when he's in LA, like give you a call. He'd he'd love to see you. I'm like, why, why would he love to see me? And like, I did. And Chuck invited me to lunch. I took my copy of his book to sign for me. And like, we had like this just wonderful lunch and like, kind of this, like, I got, I got to tell him basically how much he had meant to me as a, as a young, you know, aspiring writer. And it was just a really cool thing. So like we talked about like being starstruck, you know, I'm that way with, you know, the journalists I've, um, you know, grown up reading or that I've admired for a long time. Listen, I was that way with Gonzano at uh, the, the London Olympics in 2012. And he gave me a, uh, he gave me a pin. He gave me a bald face truth pin. <laughs> uh, I, I just saw on his
0: uh, I saw on his Instagram that he, he has uh, metallic uh, business cards for his new uh, sub, sub stack. So uh, I've already been passed. I, I should probably just hang it up now at this point. I, I, Somewhere. I, don't, I, I don't, I don't have that capital to, to invest
1: like that. <laughs> Somewhere in my garage, I think I still have the Canzano bobblehead. The bobbleheads, from, yeah.
0: They they used to have they used to have like six of those in the old Oregonian newsroom, and I don't know how because, many like,
1: survived the because there was a like when the Portland Beavers were still a thing, they had like John Canzano Day at the ballpark. And I went to that game <laughs> again, specifically because I was a sophomore in college wanting to be a sports writer, and so like I stood in line to have John Canzano sign my John Consano bobblehead.
0: <laughs> uh have you ever have you ever been asked to like speak at montana
1: I've, I've talked to a couple of classes but they really they, they don't call me very often i think I, I, I think they're too I think they're too afraid of what i'd say I, I, I was gonna say like
0: if we post this on YouTube do you think it ends up getting shared like do we have that sort of oomph to get shared by like the montana Jer- school of journalism like facebook account
1: that's a good question i I don't know I don't know who runs that be, stuff anymore be, be, like because i' because kind of, I've, I've of, never
0: I've, I've never been asked to do, come back and do anything. And so, I mean, this was all just the ploy to, to, to see if I could get on there, you know,
1: this sort of the litmus test. I think the only time I've been asked to speak to a class at Montana was like one of my classmates was teaching an adjunct class there. So it wasn't like, you know, any of like my former professors, you know, hold me in such high esteem that they wanted me to come back and help mold young minds. So it's possible, it's possible that, you know, we are, we don't, we don't rise, to, we don't meet the standard.
0: Do you have a, uh, I, w- I was cleaning out my shed a uh, month or two ago and came across like the three or four Kaiman editions that I have saved. And one of them was, uh, I, uh, I followed Monty for the day and, uh, the, the story itself is pretty, uh, pretty milquetoast, but, uh, Greg Lindstrom took some great photos. Yep. Like we, on the very back, we always kind of had like a parting shot and it was like Monty passed out with like his head, like to the side or like the guy who played him. Um, But man, like the, the, the non clip stories that like we would write in college, like, like the ones that like you don't send out, uh, I I just, I wanted to know if, if you had any, like, if you ever come across one where you're like,
2: oh
1: my God, I wrote that. I do sort of, I, first of all, I will say like the year after I was the editor of the Kaiman, Roman Stubbs, who's now at the Washington Post and is an amazing, amazing, you know, journalist, um, was became the editor and he like signed a deal with collegepublisher.com to like run the Kymans website, which deleted the Kymans archives, mm. which is something I was angry about for like five years. <laughs> and then like in the subsequent, like 10 years, I'm like, Oh, thank God that those do well, not exist. Well, cause I, because I imagine
0: there's stuff you wrote like five years ago at the athletic that you go back and look and, and you're like, Oh, like, like,
1: I don't like reading what I wrote last night. Like, yeah. I mean, truly, truly like, I don't like, I don't like what I wrote last night. Um, or the night before. I mean, it's it is not a comfortable feeling for me to read what I wrote, and especially like especially reading what I wrote as a college student. Like, you know, when you're so okay. So it's either like you know a column or an editorial that's like super cocky and probably really off base. Like basically like suggesting that the the residence life director should be fired. Dude, um, I I, or,
0: I wrote one that the the women's soccer coach should be fired, and like two days later he was, and like I. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Thank God this is on video. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I mean, anyone I mean, listen? Anyone listen to this? You got to go watch the YouTube version of this <laughs> this to see, see how that one landed. But
1: um, uh, yeah, I w- I went back to the campus a few years ago, and I went and like pulled out some like the leather bound archives, and was flipping through like the year I was the editor, and I'm like, oh, this stuff is so cringy. It's not good, but it's also, it's also good that it exists. You know, it's like we were, we were, we were kids once too.
0: I wanted to find the, the kicker I wrote on this one was like the worst thing. I I can't find it, but it was basically like the season had ended. And I said something like, and Grizz Nation rejoices because now they can collectively pull their fingers out of their eye. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God.
1: I, I mean, it's just funny. It's like the things that you wrote that you thought were so good, you know, were, you know, terrible or you know like even you know like i remember like some of like the things i would write about like games and it's like oh my gosh like if i if i tried to write that now it's like you know the the bad like bad sports writing leads that would make you cringe now it's like i wrote a bunch of those and um hi honey my wife just got home from work um so i mean i wrote i wrote i wrote a bunch of those and i um you know and that's that's how you learn you learn to Somewhat competent by being really incompetent. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well,
0: I appreciate you taking the time. This was this was a lot. Ooh, a new air pro- filter is going in.
1: See, you, you promised you, you promised me a conversation about high school mascots. Okay, actually, let's get into that. I've got eight minutes. I've got, I have eight minutes before I need to go on uh, sports lodge with Roger Lodge. <laughs> All right,
0: we're we're gonna do kind of like a draft format here. Okay. I'm going to let you have those, the I'm going to let you have the first pick.
1: I mean, the first pick is is easy. Like, I mean, there's only one first pick and it is it's the Tillamook Cheesemakers. Yeah, damn it.
0: <laughs> the, the the good audio here is both of us googling like my- I know. <laughs> oh, I got that uh, got mine. I, We are gonna go. All right, with the second pick of the first round of the Oregon high school mascot draft, we are gonna go with the Pleasant Hill Hillbillies.
1: I, that's a very, very, very good one. It's a very, very good one. Um, I'm good. Do I get to just go with my second, with my second pick real quick? Like, how do we do this?
0: Oh, we're not snake drafting this. I gotta have time to Google some more stuff. Oh,
1: I'm, I mean, I'm good. Like, I, 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 knew my second pick before you even made your second pick. Although the, the Hillbillies are are tops. So that's a good one. Um, for me, it is uh it is you, you can either have Arlington, home of Doc Severinson, uh the trumpet player for the tonight show, or uh Lakeview High School, uh both home to the Honkers.
0: I've never heard those ones before. There you go. <laughs> uh Arlington, which is an enrollment of fifty-eight. It's a one A school.
1: Uh yeah, it's, it's east of the it's east of the Dallas. Like we're talking like we're in my turf now. We're, the gorge is my turf too. So
0: you know, I'm gonna go uh I'm playing to the crowd here because uh, probably half the people that are listening to this are, uh, um, you know, the Montana journalism school teachers who were trying to support somebody that they don't want to say was a failure because of them. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Ashton High School Grizzlies.
1: No, oh, the Grizzlies. Okay, yeah. give me a second. Oh, what am I doing? Um Oh, I know this. We played these guys in high school. Absolutely. I, you know, I said I was in the West Valley League and we played, uh, you know, all those, all those schools like over in like wine, what is now wine country. But we also played a bunch of like the Christian schools in Portland, including uh, the Oregon Episcopal Aardvarks.
0: Oh, that's a good one. That is a really good one. Uh, While I look for my next one, what was your favorite, (laughs) uh, favorite bus trip, favorite like sports, sports bus trip? Oh,
1: man. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the bus trips all sucked really because like we lived, like ev- we were everyone else's least favorite bus trip. So I went to Nissanka High School over on the coast, like in Cloverdale. It's close to Pacific City, twenty miles south of Tillamook, and like from the valley, like the way you get there is you come across Highway Twenty Two from Grand Ron, and that is like a, you talk not doing a snake draft, but like a super snaky like stretch of highway. I flipped my mom's nineteen ninety eight Honda CRV on that highway, mm. and it is a brutal road to be on on a school bus. And so for us to go anywhere, it was <laughs> painful. So my favorite like bus trip was probably like to me Connie up in, up in Rockaway, just because we didn't have to go on 22 to go play those games. All right.
0: South Eugene high school, the Axmen. Okay. I like, I like that one it speaks to me. Uh,
1: my third pick will be the uh, sisters outlaws. Sisters outlaws.
0: I like that one. Thank you. I've never even heard of this one. Did you know that Huntington High School, Enrollment 81, 1A classification, they're the locomotives.
1: Oh, that is good.
0: And there's so so much you can do with that, too. Like, whether it be, like, Chance, you can get, like, a chugga-chugga-choo-choo sort of thing going. Uh, The mascot could lead, like, a party train after touchdowns. I I mean, there's definitely a lot you can work with here.
1: Um. I am tempted to go with, speaking of 2A uh, baseball, by the way, this was a 2A baseball power when I was in school, um, would, would be Union High School over in John Day. They are the prospectors.
0: Ooh, I like that. I like that.
1: Uh, Madras, sneaky good, white buffalos. Like it. I saw that. That was on my list. And then, listen, I, I think this is a new school. This is like not even on my list. This is a new school. Which one? Hold on, hold on. Uh, okay, maybe not. Uh, North Medford, the Black Tornado.
0: I I, I was just about to uh, to take that one. Yep. That's a, is that my fifth? Yeah. Is that
1: my fifth pick? Are we at five? You what got one you have,
0: more. What do you have so far? You? Have,
1: yeah, I, I think I've, I've, got, I have the Cheesemakers, the Honkers, the Ardvarks, the Outlaws, <laughs> and and the uh, and the Black Tornado. I
0: I just love the practicality of this one, uh, Benson Polytechnic High School. Their their nickname is just the Techman. Yep, perfect. Just just you know, who are we playing the Techmen? Still hung up on the Black Tornado, like that's probably like a Chris Ledoux song. We get tornadoes you know? up here now too. You know, like since you've been gone, uh, every once in a while you'll get like the, you know, when your phone buzzes and it's like calling all cars, calling all cars, like your <laughs> National Weather Service wet- warning. You get a couple tornado ones every few, every so often now nowadays.
1: Um, I'm just, I don't want to miss like any really good ones. So
0: yeah, go like, just, is, are, just are there,
1: are, are, are there any honorary mentions? I mean, like, so Oakland high school down south of Eugene is the Oakers, which again, just it's very, it fits. Um, Pendleton's the buckaroos of course. I, I just, isn't, I just like Perrydale also the buckaroos. Oh, Perrydale's the pirates. I for some reason thought they were, um, this isn't like a,
0: a super unique name, but I just like that Silverton high school is the Foxes. So you just got like the silver Fox. I, mean, yeah. I mean, it, it just works. It's, it's clean. Uh, Cheesemakers. You can't beat that. Although, I mean, like, Cheesemakers are the best
1: Toledo. I, is like the boomers. Yeah, that's good. I would, I so when I covered high school sports in Utah, Oh, I mean, and Huh. The Sheridan Japanese school. Now this is what Wikipedia is telling me. The Sheridan Japanese school is the samurai. Okay. And sure. Sher- oh, this is actually one that should have been on the list. Uh, Sherwood is the Bowman, you know, Sherwood, like you Sherwood yeah. forest, uh, Robin hood. So uh,
0: up in Alaska, I was the, uh, the Palmer moose, uh, very aptly aptly named. Yeah.
1: Uh, Hey Tyson, I've got to talk to Robert Roger Lodge on sports lodge. He's calling okay. me now.
0: Yeah. Well, how big is his audience?
1: I don't know. He's he's in Orange County. He used to host Blind Dates. Let me answer this. All right. I missed, take care, Bill. I missed the I missed the call. He's gonna have to call me back in a second. So anyway. All right. All
0: right. Well <laughs> but, well, hey, hey, Bill, this was this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Uh I'd say people can find your work, but it's it's way easier to find your work than it is my work. So I'll I'll link it in. Stop <laughs> no. it. I love I
1: love I love what you're doing, man, with with the corridor. I'll come on anytime. I really appreciate you. Uh love. All right, take care, Bill. Thanks. Thank you, Tyson.
0: And now Kevin Palmer and Sam McDonald of the Little Cuties Hockey Club. We are here in the Corridor's West Bureau. Um, Actually, it's just the living room of the godfather, Kevin Palmer, a a, a veteran of the I-5 Corridor podcast. If you've been listening, he was on, when was that, like September?
3: Yeah, yeah. September. September. Yeah. you've got quite a few more listeners since then you'd you'd, you'd,
0: you'd, you'd <laughs> yeah. hope so um all right but it's, it's me tyson kevin palmer and sam mcdonald uh these random guys are here because you guys are members of the little cuties hockey hockey organization hockey club hockey, hockey club R- yeah, R- yeah. We're,
3: t- we're technically a non-profit oh nonprofit status and how's that work for you um, I, so it's really just a way to funnel money and hide it from the government. No, I'm just kidding. We <laughs> have not shown a profit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been very not profit. Um, so yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's spring football is kind of going basketball just ended, but little do people know that this is the premier time for Portland's premier beer league hockey team. You guys are flying out to Austin, Texas, uh, on Thursday, you guys got games on Friday how are we feeling? I was I was looking at your guys' schedule. It looks like it includes plenty of uh, plenty of time for activities between games to make sure you were in the best physical shape possible.
3: Yeah, those 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 the two to three hours between the two o'clock and the six o'clock games and back to back days. That's you know some athletes would use it to hydrate, <laughs> stretch. Um, we are probably going to use it to drink our faces off. So, um, but that puts us in top condition and. Uh, we are the only team that is playing all four round-robin games because it's a five-team division. The other teams are only playing three. So we have that added bonus mm. for that added ability to show what we can do on the ice and hope to not vomit all over each other.
0: I'm assuming they like looked at like the Instagram or like the calendar and were like, these guys are the athletes that could probably go four games during the weekend.
3: Yeah, that really drew us out of a hat. I really, It might be the second one.
2: We we got a reputation with the organizers. We've been to a few of their
3: Oh this is diff- this is Can am This is not C H E. Oh
2: okay. Well can oh,
3: so, so let's let's just back up a little bit. Okay Um we're, we're, explain who we
0: are, right? Yeah, well yeah I guess. I mean like I would assume <laughs> okay. people know who you are. But okay, so let, let, let's go back to this is a travel uh, a traveling hockey team. You guys are in your thirties, maybe forties. <laughs> um, like what what is this thing? Because it's it's a pretty unique group I mean you guys are sitting here in sweatshirts with oranges on it right now you guys have team memorabilia hats apparel apparel like mm-hmm. like like why like like what's the why of
3: all of this like like how did the little cutie start why not I like question we asked no we um so we had our beer league team and the the mighty drunks um, featured at Beaverton, have won 10 out of the last 15 championships there.
0: You, We did not win the championship the year that I
3: joined. So no, just, we're, we're definitely that, not winning yeah, it this year. Just, just making that clear. Um, no, it, it, it was something where you know there was a couple of tournaments that we were seeing, uh, the first being up in Spokane, uh, Washington. We said, hey, why don't we put together um, a tournament team to go up and do that. And... It was like, well, you know, there's a lot of good interest. We went up there and technically won. It was a weird tournament. There's no <laughs> finals. Um, it's there's a uh, player participation points and like if you get penalties, it like took off your point. It was a weird setup, but we did well, and we decided to you know start actually going places. So because
0: because Portland itself is a pretty crappy spot to play like competitive hockey tournaments. Yeah, they're
3: because they're. You know, there there was checking for charity, and that's gone away. There's a rose cup every once in a while. Like it's not consistent here, and we will. And the thing is, like a lot of the tournaments that like Sherwood puts on, is it's just like, the same teams you play in your league. So it's point. It's not bringing in teams from out of town. Right. Um, and so we thought it'd be fun to travel to other places. You know, get to see some scenery. You know that you know places with great historical
2: value, like Las Vegas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rich history. <true>. Yeah. <laughs> I want to put something down here for posterity reasons. Is the reason that we lost the first Spokane tournament it wasn't because of play? It was because Ryan Luscombe, who's one of our most egregious you players, Doctor Shipback. Yeah, yeah, I was going to
0: say affectionately known as Doctor Ship. Yeah,
2: he took enough penalties in that tournament to kick us out of first place, and then we didn't invite him on the Medford tournament the following year. And so when we went to Medford, we didn't realize Is, that,
0: is that that much of a punishment? Well. Shout, shout out our diehard Medford audience.
2: Oh, no. I, I don't know if it was a punishment as much as he's just garbage human being. <laughs> and we didn't want him to join us. Uh, one of my best friends, but yeah. terrible person. Anyway, uh, in Medford, we didn't realize it. But the prize for winning first place in our division was our money back. For the tournament entry fee. That's big. Yeah. We didn't know that until the last game. and They were trying to lay us out. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, why is this so competitive? We learned it in like the second period from like, you know, the other team. And we ended up winning, and that is what sparked the change of name. So we were traveling under the Mighty Drunks moniker, mm-hmm. and then we needed to make it our own. And we had some history at that point and we turned it into the little cuties. We, and we did play one tournament as the Riverside raw dogs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Riverside Ra- I, Ra- I forgot Ra- about Ra- the raw dogs. Yeah. That's a tripped down memory lane for me. Uh,
0: so when did, when did the, when did the Jersey, because I, I didn't officially join the cuties technically until last summer. Uh, you guys indoctrined me with, uh, my, my name, um, the unathletic, um, <laughs> <It's> so <fake. laughs> like, the, the the timing of that was so great uh for for background to you have to play two tournament is it two traveling tournaments two traveling tournaments. You, you guys gave me a pass because it was the pandemic year but you have to play two travel tournaments in order to get a jersey from the cuties and have it an official nickname mm-hmm. uh palmer is the godfather sammy is you guys and uh I believe the, the tournament we hosted here in Portland was I think the second week of July. I quit the athletic, the first week of July, you'd put the order in for this thing probably in June. Um, but yeah, it was perfect. I quit the athletic three days later. I get my Jersey from you and the name is the unathletic, which I still don't get the joke.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You haven't watched yourself play hockey. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not,
0: but, uh, Anyways, w- like when did you guys first get the jerseys because like the creamsicle I I feel like the whole acuity's branding doesn't work without the logo in
3: the jersey combo that you guys have. So, you know, we it, the thing is like about the Mighty Drunks is it's the most uh used name probably in beer league hockey. It's like unoriginal. It's like every rink has a Mighty Drunks team. Is that like
0: a playoff of like a insanely popular hockey film? Uh,
3: yeah, it's it's something that I think uh I think yeah. it's WB owns them.
0: Uh, well, I mean, like Gordon Bombay, he got that DUI rat right out of the gate, and it's
3: you know what are you gonna do with your life when that happens? Yeah. Uh, to eat cake. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we we were like, hey, we should we should rename the tournament team, um, and we were in Sp- Spokane. I, I, I like Spokane better than most people do. I think like it's it a bad rap regionally. Well, we we were up there and the first time we were up there. We were out hanging outside in the parking lot of the hotel, and like three federal police officers yeah. come rolling up, saying like a guy yeah. escaped from a prison and asked if we had seen. Shined the light in our face. Yeah, he, he scored yeah. three goals for us last yeah. night. Oh
2: yeah, we know that guy.
3: So yeah, we you yeah, know, it's that place is interesting. Um, but we yeah, we were talking about it and one of the guys on our team is a professional rollerblader, um, Alex Broskow, um, and he was chirping with another guy on another team and uh, Sam Do you remember? Was it the guy that said it, or did Broskow say it? And he's like, "Oh well, you're just like a little cutie."
2: No, the guy. I'm the best I can remember. there's a guy said it to him. For context, Alex Broskow is one of our shorter players, and uh, other than Jake, Jake. No, Jake's got a couple uh, inches on Broskow. Depends and if shoes. he's wearing his shoes on. His yeah, head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jake doesn't wear <laughs> his shoes a lot. Inside um, jokes are fun. Yeah. Anyway, the best I can remember is the tallest guy on their team, Broskow, got into it. And Broskow's pretty strong on his skates. He's a professional rollerblader. Kind of gave him the how-do-you-do. And the guy's nice one, little cutie. <laughs> and so Tony, yeah, ran, Tony ran with that and just started calling us little cuties. And uh, it's actually Tony Iario that, that dubbed us the little cuties. Yeah. And I th- he did the artwork, actually. Yeah, he did. Um, and now a couple of us have tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll 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 include some artwork
0: okay. in the uh, in the post. So yeah. Um, so what? What did your parents say when you got the little Cuties tattoo?
2: My parents have been disappointed in me since the <laughs> 1990s. and uh, you know they they gave it the like quintessential like oh nice.
0: When uh, when Jordan got his, our our goalie also has one. Uh, one of my friends who was like auxiliary, Derek, who you met a Great. couple weeks ago. Um, I think he's Instagram friends with nags or, or whatever. And he's like, Man, someday I just hope I love something as much as Jordan loves
3: that hockey team that you guys play on. Oh well, we have, who else? Chalby's got one too as
2: well. Yeah, he's got a lot. Um, but it goes back to like your original question, like what is it? Is uh it is a reason to travel around the United States and and gives us something to do. We have an excellent group of friends. There's not a bad egg in the bunch, and so I except was, for Ryan. Well, yeah, yeah. he's he's a piece of shit, yeah. but <laughs> he does that. I think the world needs to know that. That's yeah. what, that's why I'm here today.
0: Yeah, you're on the round podcast. If you want
3: the world to, to hear that one,
2: well, you know, no no step forwards, bad stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know. Anyway, if we can
3: let one more person know how bad he is. That's the uh, we've done our job here today.
2: Yeah. I'm content. That's that is my new mission in life. Have fun with my friends playing hockey and warn the world about chip bag Ryan Laskin.
0: I mean, like like to piggyback off your point though, like it is a cool thing because I, I think you know both of you guys have been in Portland for, I mean, Sammy, you're from here.
2: only person ever born here.
0: Kevin you've been here for going on over a decade now, o- yeah. over a decade and, and we've all had you know different friends kind of come and go throughout Portland throughout the, the time and I, I think kind of like the one like binding I mean when I when I moved here like I knew like the quickest way to make friends was like go get signed up at the rink and I think that's where we've probably all made like our best friends uh but then like Portland's such like a uh, like a come and go city that a lot of people move like 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 our goalie who actually I think will edit out his name because it's just gonna like oh just grease yeah. his ego like no other. Uh, he, won't, make, he won't listen to this. Yeah, but like 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 that's the cool thing is you know like under the guise of like the traveling cuties Portland team like you can still get that that group together every now and then and, and go uh, try to not get arrested in, in various cities around the country. Yeah,
3: I mean like even this tournament. Look, net net our goalie Jordan Nagelkirk is coming in from uh, the U- UP. I always want to say Milwaukee, but it's not Milwaukee. It's the UP of Michigan. We've got um, people coming in from Pennsylvania. We've got people coming in from Texas. Um, and we've had people come from Washington. Uh, we've got people coming in from all over that have moved out, out of the way. And now we have people coming in from South Carolina, hopefully, and some other places, too, that have gone on. So it's like a good... You know, it's a good way to get, like you said, get everyone together. And we, you know, we have fun. And we also, we also kind of win. We do, we do all right. Yeah, that's, it's a little side, side thing of it. The, uh,
0: the, the Vegas one that we got second in. Yeah. I, I still wear the, uh, they gave us like little silver uh, medals or whatever. I still use, <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm missing the chin strap on my helmet.
2: <laughs> and right so up. I've.
0: I've, I've kept that in my bag for the longest time, and I've fashioned it to my helmet now, so that's what's holding, you know, just, just a little, like, memory to remind you that... That we suck at shootouts. That we. Su- it was, like, a 14-round shootout, and we were playing this team that, like, they showed up in, like, a full team bus from Canada, yeah. like, like coaches in suits, like, I'll give us credit, like, you do a very good job of organizing, we had a team bus, people got there on time, but... You know, they're they're, really there, there's a difference between a Canadian team that's trying versus uh, Yeah, versus yeah, us. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely, it's, it's funny because, I mean, that's also part of the best thing about being the little cuties is that, you know, they look, oh, we're playing the little cuties from Portland, Oregon, and they see, like, our creamsicle. They're like, <sighs> the time. we've had... <laughs> We've had people, like, uh, and we played a tournament in Nashville, and, like, one guy was just, like, sitting there in a stand, his family, his, his family, and just, like, shit-talking us. He's like, oh, we're playing these te- this team from Portland called the Little Cuties, like, making fun of the name and making some derogatory remarks. And then we shit-stopped them. It was a team from Canada. I think um, it was, like,
2: a 9-to-1 game. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
3: Team from Ontario, and it was, like, oh, a bunch of guys from Portland wearing creamsicle jerseys with little... Oranges skating together uh, on the front of it. Didn't, didn't,
0: didn't you guys used to actually bring li- like a bag of Little Cuties? <laughs> that backfired <laughs> for family. Yeah, every time. Boy.
2: Yeah. They'd like <laughs> huck them on the ice or in our locker room. We'd go to the grocery store the night before and get a bunch of bags of Little Cuties and it was never well received.
0: Is a, Does somebody own like Little Cutie or is that like the name of like the actual orange? Like, can't like? Is there a sponsorship that you can arrange between? Let's let's just
3: say the cease and desist letter at some point will come. But... <laughs> <laughs> I have reached out to them. I'm like, hey, where? You know, like, would you like to sponsor us? And they're just like, no, we have no interest. I'm like, okay, uh,
0: How how did? Because uh... I mean, you have the good jersey, you have the good name, you have mostly good guys, except for Ryan Luscombe. Uh But like, how did it balloon to like where you have like nine thousand Instagram followers? like like? It's actually like. I'm not just bringing like some random dudes onto like a podcast because we play in, like men's. Like, like <laughs> you guys actually have like a bit of, like a bit of a following, and and I think that's something that's unique because Portland doesn't have a huge hockey scene, and it's something that's could potentially be growing with you know the Kraken coming to Seattle and yeah. this and that. And.
3: Well, I mean, I I work in digital media, um, and I had an unhappy marriage and never wanted to go home. So I, I invested some time into building out our profile uh, while I was at work. Um, but no, it, it was something that um, our content, when, when there's not a pandemic and we don't play in a tournament for two years, our content's usually pretty solid. Um, we're definitely using a lot of wedding pictures from a wedding yeah. from last fall. Dude, so. You, you,
0: you got, Jordan's wedding has probably led to... Eighty percent of the Instagram
2: content from,
3: yeah, we're 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 we're, we're, we're getting down to the, the the nitty gritty of like what's available. It's almost time to start repurposing some old stuff. So like, <laughs> I'm very excited for this tournament coming up. But no, it's it's something that like, the the Insta like Hockeygram, you know, as some some people call it. Um, it's a pretty so- supportive community, right? There's a lot of um, beer league hockey teams on there, um, and they you know, they love like chirping and talking and, and um, you know, supporting each other. So it's something that we really worked our way and connected with a lot of teams. And, you know, we commented on all our posts, shared a lot of stuff, and then we built a, built a nice little community there. So it, it's kind of fun to have people, you know, we sell some um, shirts on our website and, you know, I've shipped stuff all over the world and it's kind of cool to have people that at first it was all like family and friends that were buying it. And now it's like. Like my substack. People. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, and now it's like. Yeah. It's like someone in Australia. Someone in yeah. the UK. It's just, it's just kind of cool to see that happen. It. Uh, I don't
0: know. I, I think it just makes for a, a. A funny group to like show up to a tournament. Or like even when. Uh, like we hosted the tournament this summer. Yeah. Like it's. It's it's like a good way to kind of like advertise for that sort of thing because if if they can see like the well put together like kind of digital presentation of like oh yeah like we want to go play in that group's uh, tournament like they look like they're fun and and if I remember correctly. We we made a lot of
3: money off of that tournament, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we made more money, I think, off the sweatshirt sales uh, than the actual hockey tournament. Um, Again, it's a nonprofit. Again, yeah, it's a nonprofit, a non-profit yeah. Yeah. and that, that has been repurp- That money has been repurposed uh, for us to play in this tournament. Um, yeah, it, it's. I, I we had a lot of teams. I think if the we had a lot of teams signed up, like originally the the tournament was supposed to happen in March 2020, and what, so, a, what else happened? It um, happened a few weeks before uh, that.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, it was the season four of Better Call Saul premiered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there right. you yeah, go, yeah. there you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they had to cancel. I love that show.
2: It's so that good. Excellent
0: uh, no, that I we got the tournament canceled. You still had all, like, the tournament shirts, and so we all got the Little Cuties tournament shirt before the tournament was ever played. <laughs> and by the time that the tournament actually came around last July, I'd already had holes in the thing. Like It was a, it, it was, was so a well-worn
3: bad. in shirt for a tournament that hadn't happened yet. It was so bad. Like, I mean, we had <laughs> teams coming in from what was great though, because we had teams that had followed us on Instagram that were coming in from Canada, Texas, and like all that kind of went away with the pandemic and having to reschedule it two times. Um, but yeah, and, and we're just, we're, we were going to have another one this year, but I've decided to, like, wait a year to do it because it almost drove me insane. Um, but we have a lot of teams that have messaged us ass if we were going to do it again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm excited. I just wish we had better rinks in Portland well, so, more well, supportive hockey well, well, that so, so that was, that was going to be, like, my
0: follow-up is, I mean, you guys have been in this market long enough to get a feel for it, but, like... I don't think Portland's at, like, I feel like there's definitely room for, like, another rink or two oh, in this God. city, because, like, I mean, you can look at just the game times that we play, like, last Thursday, like, our B-League game was at, like, 10.55 yeah. p.m. Yeah. Like, you get home at, like, 2, and, like, you're, like, it's, like, the rinks are at capacity, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know who's, you know, looking to develop, you know, put in a full new sheet of
3: ice somewhere. The rinks just aren't profitable. Yeah. So, it's, it's something where, to build one, I think, to do it right, it's, like, three, I I looked into it a little bit. It was like two, five to three million. And then, you know, to get, to claw that money back just takes forever to do it. And like, when you look at some like cities, like in the Northeast or like Canada, a lot of the rinks are subsidized by the town. So it's, it's run by the town. It's like part of the Mm REC program and it's not the same here in Portland. So it's something where you have to find a place, A, big enough to build it and then, you have to have the money to do it, and it's it's not an easy thing. It's not a great investment. So it's, you know, one of us needs to win the lottery. I think's the, mm-hmm. the goal. But uh, I've been
2: playing for investment purposes. You know, really like, tell me. <laughs> I how. mean,
3: I mean, you maybe we should just keep going to
0: Vegas for mm-hmm. that tournament, and, and um, it, yeah, at some point it's got to pay off. Well, I mean, like it, like what was it? It was like two or three years ago where the Mountain View, the Vancouver rink, which used to be two sheets of ice. And then the church bought the entire building.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. church
0: the, the church there bought the entire building, turned half of it into a church. A let, mega church. A mega church. Mm-hmm. And then left uh, the rink Ooh. on its own. But then like two years ago, basically the church was like, We're gonna take over the rink, we're gonna turn it into like <laughs> the best part was they said they were gonna turn it into like a activity center for like the kids. It's like <laughs> Happen. You you have anyways. Yeah. Uh, it that ended up getting kind of like saved and like they, they kept the rink there, but like I can't even like if they if all of a sudden Mountain View was gone, like it would have been impossible to get a sh- like any time here. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's it's definitely um, it, there's a market opportunity for it, but with you know I'd like to see something on the east side of Portland. I think would be yeah. Good. There's nothing over there. Well, because you you have Sherwood, which is. Sure.
0: Yeah. Every and Sammy here lives in Washoeville. For so, now. For now, which so actually, I mean it's about like a what like a forty five minute drive for you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually worked at Mountain View as a high schooler. Oh I'm yeah. Living you up have, there. You want any good stories? Tons of good stories, <laughs> yeah. but. I don't think the showers there have been washed since you. were... No, I think I did. I did that in two thousand seven when mm-hmm. I was on the way out. Yeah, your your signature is still in there. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, no, I got. I don't. I don't know what the rating is for your podcast, but there's <laughs> there's some good stories there. Uh, and then, <laughs> I <laughs> mean, we, we already had, had Palmer have to to have me back too. on. We'll see what your <laughs> listeners say. Yeah. But yeah, to, to get a ring profitable, you have to have it run by like a boys and girls club, somebody who has a bunch of money to outlast the summer months. Yeah. But right now, yeah, uh, a plea to the listeners is you know hockey is a is a growing sport in the Northwest, and if you do want to watch good hockey. At WSC Beaverton, on uh, I think every night of the week, you can do two fifty beers. Get away from the family, <laughs> you know. Watch watch live sports free of charge.
0: The uh, I I respect the Beaverton rink so much just for the fact that like their main beer on uh, available is Kokanee. which was when I was playing club hockey at Montana. That was always the like like the the team beer of choice post game, and there there's. You know, I, I think every rink around here has their quirks, but there is nothing better than when you get off the ice and you come into the locker room and there's the cooler filled with ice and all the already un- right. op- opened up beers. And uh, I think the only thing that I need to work on, though, is like you got to have a glass of water beforehand or else you're just so like thirsty. Mm-hmm. that
2: It feels weird, though, doesn't it? Because when I was playing down in Eugene during the pandemic, there was no like congregating afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it was like Pavlov's dog. I was like, I need mm-hmm. a coconut. But this wasn't really a hockey game, right? I have to have a coke.
0: Would you guys even like go out and like parking lot it?
2: Yeah, sometimes I think you know. Once the how bug, how, how like, is
0: the Eugene hockey scene? I've never actually been to the barn down there.
2: Oh, it's good. Um, I mean, I have a couple season um, experience there. When I first got there, it was like an A B mix, and it was kind of garbage hockey. I was like, "This is not going to be good. I'm going to get hurt." I actually got my bell rang. I got a concussion like the third game in, uh, just from somebody kind (laughs) of (laughs) skating. This
0: is a non contact league too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's
2: let's put that up. And then the kids came back and there was like youngsters and the A players came back and it was quite a bit faster than the season before. And it's a draft league. They're good guys. They, they drink after like once we were allowed to congregate, um, the rink down there is owned by the fairgrounds or the city. Right. And so they were the ones setting the rules for, you know, COVID. So they couldn't easily break the rules, right? I mean they were, you know, put your money where your mouth is type of place. So once the talent came back and the beers were gone, it was good. It was good hockey. It was fun. It's, it's fun. It's uh
0: it's amazing what having just the beer available can do because uh when, when Taylor, Taylor Anderson, Dr. Anderson, uh, who's probably... Uh, is he playing defense for you guys this weekend? Or yeah, he okay, forward. He, he'll be playing defense. Yeah um, Boy, pro- probably in the best shape on the team. Actually, that's a lie. Corey's probably in the best Shane, shape. Shane.
3: Shane. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or Hassler. Or, or, yeah. I, I, yeah. Actually, I,
0: actually yeah. the the best week of engagement on the Little Cuties hockey page is uh, the annual shirtless Shane week. so
2: He, he is a fucking statue. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Muscles anyway, where you didn't know there were. Yeah,
0: anyways, uh, Taylor, who's in okay shape now uh, in comparison. Uh,
2: I think he's got a better
0: face than a body. Ooh. it's a good Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, 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 I can see it. And, and actually, I'm going to timestamp this because we'll we'll spice this out and use it as like the tease. There for, you go. For, for, <laughs> you go. For the, hey, make sure the camera's on. Do my Bill Simmons thing. Uh, but Taylor and I played at Montana together, and our crowds went from like two hundred and fifty or so to like we were getting like fifteen hundred when uh, we just told the security guys that we had to hire yeah, just don't ID anybody, and so uh, and it was and it was uh, and it was open uh, basically like open container in there too, so people like it was just basically like all the freshmen at Montana knew the hockey rink was the place where you'd buy your, like your case of beer and go there and like do beer bombs in the stands while like really bad hockey is being played in front of everybody. It was great. That's that's amazing. And And then, and then we knew all the refs too. And so like when we played Montana state, we like told the refs like, Hey, like let things go a little bit, you know, like it's supposed to be NCAA rules for like the refing, So like no fighting, but like, yeah, they didn't care. So I, I got my tooth knocked out in the Montana state game, which was, like, the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Pete's <laughs> 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 there. <But, laughs> yeah, because, like, yeah, the well, like, I scored, like, my first career goal of that game. Got my tooth knocked okay, out. And then uh, as I was skating off the ice, I didn't even know my tooth got knocked out. Like, the ref came up to me and, like, was just like, hey, is this yours? Oh, jeez. And I looked down and we had white jerseys. And just, like, covered in blood. And uh, this guy runs up to me as we're getting off the ice. Because, like, we have no team doctors. We have no, like, any of this stuff. It's club hockey Although Oregon club hockey probably has doctors at this yeah, point now, yeah. but, um, and this guy runs up, he's like, Hey, I'm a doctor. Like, you're going to want to put that back in. I was like, okay. And cause like the tooth came out completely a hole, like my, my canine. And so he took it, ran it underneath the water fountain at the rink and then just jammed it back up. Oh. Into my head. And we won that game. And so we would have like a big post game party at like one of the captain's houses, and I just remember it being like one a.m. Just being like, "Don't swallow the tooth, don't swallow the tooth, don't
2: <laughs> The old Tyson Alger hat trick. Yeah, <laughs> score yeah. your first goal, get your tooth knocked out.
0: Swallow the tooth. Swallow the tooth. But uh, yeah, it's, it's still in there. I had to, I did go get like a uh, a root Let's a root can- that's
2: Oh yeah.
0: yeah, this is good radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do a card trick next. Okay. <laughs> um, I think wrapping up here, I, I just want a couple of tournament predictions. Um, predicted on MVP for the week. On ice and then off ice.
3: Uh, on, on ice, I think we're going to have to go... Uh, Tucker Doherty, I think, is... A, a late addition to the Late tournament. addition, yeah. and with some lineup changes, because some people can't go, uh, has moved to forward, um, so he's going to get some premium chances to score some goals, and I think he's going to have a big
2: tournament. See, Tucker Doherty is an excellent hockey player, but I want Dan Hassler mm. to win any award we can give him because he's so uncomfortable <laughs> mm-hmm. in front of a crowd mm-hmm. that that's, that's my win. Dan, is Dan, if he wins, I
0: win. Dan, Dan was not my first choice for the podcast. No. <laughs>
2: He's, he's a man it, of no words. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of a dial tone.
0: Man, it's he's so good too, and he's so quiet that yeah. like when I screw up when he passes me the puck, like I just feel like he hates me for like until I see him three weeks later at the next game because he's
3: just very quiet and very good. I've I've apologized more to him than anybody else in my entire <laughs>
2: life. He apologizes to me, which is weird. Um, it's uncomfortable that probably eighty five percent of the senses that he said to me is, I'm sorry, man, that was my bad. I mean, it wasn't his bad. It was no. It was like, no, hey,
0: God. I'm sorry, man, I assumed that you were a faster skater when I passed that puck. That's a, or, yeah.
2: yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's he passes it out in front of me by, like, 10 feet.
3: Uh, so, yeah, I think he's going to, I mean, off the ice, there's a lot of contenders in there. Corey Redding, uh, who made his debut in Nashville, did not sleep in his bed the entire week that weekend. He slept... On various floors and bathtubs, he, that could be. And left his bag at the hotel when going to the airport. Ooh. So that's
2: why he's named Bag Boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: that's his nickname. Yeah,
2: Bag Boy. One thing he had to look after, he couldn't do it. Uh, like like I've
0: left things like in like a bin at like when you're going through like security and the checkpoint and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like hockey bag on a hockey trip.
2: It's pretty important. He thought someone else was going to grab it for yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the off best off, is yeah. that he didn't make the flight then and had to stay another day in Nashville.
0: And, like, anytime you're traveling with a hockey bag, too, it's such, like, a ordeal because you have, like, the 50-pound limit. Like, I think all of us are pretty good artists at, like, getting at, like, 49 and a
2: half.
3: Yeah. Especially after a weekend with it being soaking wet yeah. with all your stuff. And it's just ways with all your regret. and So, yeah. Equipment soaked stuff. It's 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 pretty it real. Just kind of smells like booze. <laughs> um, but he he's a good he's an early contender. Uh, you know, um, you know off the ice. Gosh, there's so many so many. I think Sammy is always Sammy's always in contention for the off the ice mm-hmm. shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Nagelkirk, I don't want to pump his tires too much. He's he's always. Uh, he'll pump them. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll pump himself. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we've got some team awards to hand out too, so I'm excited about that. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff going on this week. Um, but yeah, I think I think the 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 on the the off the ice MVP is going to be a higher um, competition than the on ice MVP.
0: Is weather supposed to be good?
3: No, it's ninety three there right now. It's going to
0: be the eighties
2: no. the
3: entire time by there. Giddy up, boys! Well, what time's uh, puck drop? Uh, first game's two fifteen on Friday, uh, and then I think we have the seven o'clock game. And then Saturday we have a one o'clock game and a six o'clock game. Uh, and then depending on how those go will be the finals or the third place game. The third place game's at eight AM on Sunday morning and then the final the championship game is at nine thirty A. M. So Ooh, okay, so let's get into
0: that. Would you rather have to half ass a third place game at eight in the morning or full ass a championship game at nine thirty in the morning? We I would would, Maybe because those are two significant differences in energy exertion.
3: If we play the third gate, play this game, I'm going to imagine not everybody's going to show up to that game. Yeah. <laughs> we. So, funny enough, when we did play the tournament in Nashville. We made the finals. We shit-stomped everyone in the round robin. And we were out... Um, so I set a curfew as the, the team captain for, <laughs> yeah, for, for midnight. Uh, I was set for midnight, and I was shaking our goalie at 2.15 in the morning after ordering pizza being like, you need to eat this pizza, you're the <laughs> only one that matters.
0: Um, but you and, always need to assign somebody on the goalie for, like, oh, the yeah. morning. Is, yeah. yeah,
3: so we, we all dragged, we all got up. We I think the game was at, like, 10 a.m., and we... Got over to the rink. We were all getting dressed, and it was miserable. We didn't want to play, but it's the finals. It's, you know, it's, we're there for... The other team no-showed us. They just... They, <laughs> had, they, yeah, they had three guys in the parking lot, and they just came in and talked to the hockey director, and they're like, hey, uh, I don't think we're going to get everybody here, so we're just going to forfeit. So um. the, the best is when that happens, and it's a team that
0: traveled to a tournament, too.
3: No, they're from Ontario,
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. I don't
2: my prediction tradition would say we are going to make the final. Okay. And I don't, I'm not superstitious, I'm just kind of stitious. A little stitious. A little stitious. No. Um, we could probably lose in a double-digit round shootout. That's <laughs> only happened two other times. <laughs> it's only happened two other times. Yeah. That's my prediction, is hey. we're going to win this one. Are you, are you worried about the pilot strike? Are you guys going to have to road trip again? A uh, little
3: nervous about that, yeah, uh, Alaska Airlines uh, may or may not have a flight for us, so that's, that's a little nerve-wracking. We've had one cancellation on our way to Banff um, for a tournament where the guys ended up, right, after drinking at the airport, <laughs> the one sober guy uh, rented the, <laughs> were you in the, were you in that? You were, you were in yeah, that I Detroit. was tuned
2: up, and it was my idea mm-hmm. to rent a car, and then it, the drive was long enough that I actually sobered up. And drove from Spokane, Washington. It all goes back to Spokane. Yeah. Anyway, we were at the border crossing (laughs) at 7 a.m. because we had to make a 1 o'clock game. That's the only reason we could drive is that Canada Air couldn't get us there until after our first, like, two games. And, uh, you know, border crossing in northern Idaho is not – there's not a lot of fanfare. It's just a guy in, like, a bar. And he stands in your way and he's like, do you have any alcohol – Tobacco to declare, we're like no, because we didn't stop it duty free. We didn't do anything like that. Like, what's your business in Canada? Well, we got a hockey tournament here at like one o'clock in in Banff. And he goes, you're going to a hockey tournament without tobacco or alcohol. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, they were like, yeah, well, yeah. Fair enough, man. Anyway, anyway, yeah, we made that one Uh again. Shane, I think he drove like probably 12 to the 14 hours
0: see that's that's the thing is if uh if you volunteer to be the dd there's a good chance that it's like a 12 hour <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: 12 <laughs> with that group yeah
0: yep. well shoot guys uh good luck i'm looking forward to I'm, I'm assuming there'll be updates on uh the cuties uh instagram account
3: yeah little cuties hockey i think is our instagram yeah as <laughs> everyone everyone reaches for their phone to check that um Wait. Oh, I'm just texting people. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> little
2: Cuties Hockey Club.
3: You little Cuties Hockey Club yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, there'll be live updates. Might live stream a game. We're talking... that has been discussed. Uh, throw it on Instagram live. If, if if you guys do win the championship, I I, I would like a, a call-in
0: follow-up podcast. Uh, it could only just be 10 minutes just to Maybe uh, we we could do that. It also depends on how Tiger Woods is doing in the Masters <laughs> oh, that's on Sunday. Actually, yeah, because if he's in contention, I I don't care what you guys are doing. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> we might not have everyone at the game if he's in contention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we can, we could do that if we if we win, you know, win, win 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 lose or draw. We can we can we can call with a, with an update. You can have more articulate people on besides us too um, to, to to give you the update too. Got a lot of talent on that team.
2: I'm just here so I don't get fined.
0: You're listening to the
1: I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider.